You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Well, all they had to do was turn the page from June to July, and suddenly the Mets were able to do it. They won a series on the show today in the first segment going to break down that series victory in the second segment. I want to talk about what it would take for this team to actually put together a little winning streak because you got to do that at some point if you're actually going to get back in the mix. Then in the final segment, I'll go over who is the Mets all-star this year and who got left off. Before we get to any of it, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some I'm writing at JustBaseball.com where I work as the managing editor. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code MLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code MLB. The New York Mets won a series. They won a series. I just, I'm not sick of saying it yet because I haven't been able to say it for a month. Literally. (laughs) They did it. And... On Friday night, never could have saw it coming. When David Robertson blows the game, and listen, if you haven't checked out my Saturday podcast, this is why I recorded it, because I had to mark the occasion. Because when you get to that point where it's Robertson that blows it, you just think, A, this team is just doomed. But B, maybe it's just a month thing. Maybe it's just June is horrible. And there's every chance that June was so bad for the New York Mets that it's the reason they don't make the playoffs this year. It's probably going to be the case. But in July, they're undefeated suddenly. 2-0. They did it. They won a series. And look, the game on Saturday, Justin Verlander was awesome. Seven innings pitched. One run allowed. It was unearned. The third inning of that game, he had three home runs. Francisco Alvarez, Brandon Emmo, and Francisco Lindor. The latter two We're going to be talking about in the final segment today as it relates to the All-Stars and if they were snubbed. And we'll make that case later. It's hard to cry about All-Stars when your team's been terrible. And honestly, I don't think you can. I think that when your team's been as bad as the Mets have been, you get one All-Star. Fine by me. But those two guys individually have had strong seasons. And really as of late, the the home run barrage that Brandon Nemo's on is surprising and a welcome sight. He's been awesome. So to see that, to see Tommy Pham RBI double, he's been on a different planet. Uh, for all of you who have been waiting for me to get a jersey, I need to say it again. For Before the season, I said he would not have an OPS over 700. It's the same bet that I made on Jonathan VR, and I had to buy a jersey in 2021. And the same one I bet on James McCann last year. I did not have to buy a jersey. I will be getting a Tommy Pham jersey at some point. I'm just waiting because... I don't want to be the reason that this magic carpet ride ends. And what he's done has been ridiculous. He's hitting 295 now because after that RBI double he had on Saturday, he also got three hits from the two-hole on Sunday, which I think is a lineup the Mets need to continue with moving forward. 
He's been incredible. So you get that big win on Saturday, coming off the one on Friday. It doesn't mean anything until you get one on Sunday. And I'll tell you, as much as you want to give the Mets credit, you also have to acknowledge that they were about this close from losing this series, blowing another one, and having another miserable flight tonight heading out to the West Coast. It, it was right there for them to choke away. There was a graphic that went up when the Mets went to a bullpen change uh, in that seventh inning about how the Mets have blown, I don't know if it was the most, but it was certainly, I think it might have been second most. Maybe the, they were the fifth worst, and the, the Giants were the second best at coming back from multi-run uh, deficits late. Regardless, Giants really good at coming back late. Mets really bad at holding leads, and you thought it was going to happen. But they held on. And you look at this game on Sunday, credit to the offense. 11 hits, 8 runs scored. They never let up. They kept on trying to pile on, and they needed every single one of those runs. David Peterson goes 4 in this one. Uh, I can't say it was a good or a bad start because he didn't get a chance to prove it either way. He got him through four innings, and the Mets just got him out. Buck Showalter didn't trust him. And that might have come back to bite the Mets in some respects when it comes to their bullpen because as much as you want a quick hook on guys like Carlos Carrasco and David Peterson, it's tough to do that when your bullpen has been terrible. But the Mets weren't going to take a chance. They get a big lead. They pulled him after four. That lead came from a couple of different rallies. And credit to Alex Wood of the Giants for really giving the Mets some some, uh, traffic in that third inning. He was not good. Uh, he had, with one out, he he walks Francisco Alvarez. He hits Brennan in with the pitch. He walks Tommy Pham to load the bases. Francisco Lindor flies out. No one's able to score, not deep enough. And then Pete Alonso draws a walk to give the Mets their first run with the bases loaded. And then Jeff McNeil got a hit. And Jeff McNeil had a good series. He potsco balls down the line. He, he's starting to, you know, that one was a ground ball that he was able to find a hole in the infield. He's starting to get that Babbitt luck back. And, you know, with Jeff McNeil, it's all about bear control and, you know, being able to put the baseball where he wants to and to play against the defense's weaknesses and find those areas where he can hit that ground ball or lace that, that you know, that, that single over the infielder's head and, and get it into a corner and get an extra base hit. And we saw some of that in this game or in this series, and that hit was big for the Mets to to get up three to one. And then Mark Canna leads off the fourth with the home run. Uh, you have a couple of outs. Then Brandon Nimmo draws a walk, and Tommy Pham has an RBI double, uh, another one because he's had a bunch lately. And the Mets go up five to one, but you get to the disaster that was the seventh inning. Grant Hartwig. Comes out of the pen first. Was great in the fifth and the sixth. Got them as two scoreless things of relief that they desperately needed. But then you go to this bullpen. And look, I, I don't understand the management of the bullpen from Buck Showalter. I will say, when the options you have are Grant Hartwig, uh, who's good, but still, I mean, unproven. Dominic Leone has been bad. Jeff Brigham. Drew Smith, who hasn't been particularly good this year. Adam Montavino is supposed to be one of your top guys who hasn't been good. He's got a lot of bad options out there. And the the onus of or the responsibility of the bullpen being terrible falls more on Billy Epler than Buck Schulter because he's the one who built it. But Buck's also done a bad job. And when you still end up going to Rayleigh, Ottavino, and Robertson in this game and you had a 5-1 to lead going into the 7th, why not just try to hold it? Because it's not a direct save situation. You've seen your team cough up a million games. Why not lead off the 7th inning with Brooks Raley and make your life easy? 
Maybe you don't want to go to Adam Adovino. You don't trust him. You still should trust him more than Jeff Brigham. And, and to me, Jeff Brigham pitched himself off the roster tonight. He comes in, three balls to Jock Peterson, ends up walking him, not competitive at all. Then he gives up a home run to Blake Sable. Your, your lead is cut in half. Gets a strikeout, luckily. Gives up a base hit. Okay, you go to Dominic Leone, immediately gives up an RBI double to J.D. Davis. Now your lead is at one. He gets a strikeout. Uh, you intentionally walk a batter, and then you go and you get Brooks Raley to finally bail you out of that inning. With seven batters faced for Brigham and Leone, and it was three hits, one of them a home run, two walks, two strikeouts. Awful. Awful pitching. And when we get to the next segment, how the Mets can go streaking, can they actually get a winning streak to close out this first half and make this somewhat competitive and exciting? The bullpen's the biggest thing holding them back. Luckily, though, the lineup didn't let up. As I said, you got to credit the lineup in this game. Pete Alonso was big late. Leadoff double in the seventh. Uh, he comes around to score on a blue pit from Sterling Marte. And as much as it wasn't a pretty at bat, it wasn't a pretty hit, he didn't strike out. And he certainly could have. And he found a way to get his bat on the baseball. And he got enough of it to, to get it over the infielders and dump it into the outfield, find some grass. And Alonzo comes around to score, and the Mets had a little more breathing room. Uh, you look at that that eighth inning. Brooks really gets a couple of strikeouts, hits a batter, and then they go to Adam Adovino. And honestly, at that point, I kind of wanted them to stick with Brooks Raley, but I guess you don't want Raley to face Wilmer Flores, who, as we know, great against left-handed pitching. But Adam Adovino comes in, walks a batter, hits a batter, is not competitive at all, and you're thinking, man, you're in a bad spot. Luckily. Adam Adovino was able to get J.D. Davis to strike out on three pitches, and it was much needed. Okay, so you, you survived the eighth, and then Pete Alonso gives you some insurance uh, with a two-run homer as 25th of the season. David Robertson has you know, an eight-to-four cushion, and luckily Buck didn't play around with the day off. He went to Robertson. He locked it down. Not a save, but with the Mets, it certainly feels like one just to get a win, and you get a series victory. And look... That's all we've been saying. Win a damn series. They did that. Now, can you stack it up? Okay, I am going to talk in the next segment about if the Mets can go on some crazy little streak here and, and what that would mean and how it would have to happen. But really, it's just win the next couple of series and make this a somewhat competitive race. We're going to get to that in a minute. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Abada. If you're picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue you're already doing it, so why not get cash back to do it with Abada? Abada gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you are beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your royalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Abada user earns $120 per year. That can cover your entire cost of groceries. It could be cash back that you can use for a flight or... You know, if you're craving a nice dinner out, Abada can provide that for you. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Abada, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Abada, including Lobes, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Abada is offering our listeners $5 just for trying by using the code MLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Abada app. And use the code MLB, that's I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Player App Store and use the code MLB. 
can the New York Mets go on a little winning streak? What would they have to do to make that happen? Look, I'm not saying it's realistic. I'm not saying that you should expect it. But if there's any hope of this season being fun, what you need to happen is the Mets to go out west, and this is the first fun flight they've had in a long time. The Mets are happy on their plane tonight. That's the first time they've been able to do that in a month, literally because it's been a month since they've won a series. So you head out west, you got to play a really good Diamondbacks team, and then you play the Padres, who have been another disappointment in the National League this year, to close it out before you get to the All-Star break. The Mets were to get frisky and win out, win eight in a row. All of a sudden, they would take that deficit in the wild card. They're currently sitting eight games out. They'd probably cut that in half to four with a couple weeks to play with before the deadline. All of a sudden, you could be sitting in a wild card position by the deadline. You could be sitting to a point where at least you don't sell. And you just stand pat. Maybe you buy a little. Not to say that that's the best thing. And on tomorrow's show, we're going to get into that at length. But... The thing is, if this Mets team is going to be good this year, you got to play at like a 650 clip down the stretch, and it's going to take a winning streak because then if you win eight in a row, all of a sudden you maybe have to play at a 600 clip. It it, it just, it, it makes the math make sense. You need to go on a winning streak, and why not go out west, have the, the, the attitude of, hey, why not us? We've been through all of this. We've got this veteran team. Let's come together and let's do it. Maybe the Mets can. Here's how it has to happen. They have to get great starting pitching because that bullpen's been horrible. And Grant Hartwig's been good, 1.04 ERA, but he's got a 1.50 whip. And that means he's given up a base runner and a half per inning. That might come back to haunt you at some point, you would think. Adam Adovino hasn't been good. They need him to be better. Really, I think from the bullpen perspective, you need to rely on Robertson and Rayleigh more. These are the only two effective high leverage levers, and you have to find a way to get to them. Whenever you have a lead, you need to get to them. You need Drew Smith to be better, and you got to figure out some other combination. Who knows? Maybe Jeff Brigham is exited out of this equation, and if Jose Quintana really comes back this week, which Steve Cohen did allude to in his presser, maybe you stick David Peterson in the pen. He was effective out of the bullpen last year. Maybe he becomes your long man, and who knows? Maybe he can succeed in that role again. He does have the strikeout stuff to maybe be an effective relief pitcher. So it's an option. Not to say it's going to be a great one, but you never know. The big thing, though, is the starters. And if you look at the way things are slated, if I'm the Mets and I'm making decisions, I am flipping your projected starters for this next series. Right now, Kodai Senga game one, Max Scherzer game two, I'm flipping them. Scherzer will be pitching on regular rest. Senga have an extra day already. He would then have two extra days. He has been better when he gets more rest. Scherzer is one of the guys that you trust to pitch every fifth day. And what it would do is it would allow you to pitch Scherzer twice. Max Scherzer's last three starts, he has been good. You need more of that. Okay, you need, if this team's going to be anything, it's going to come down to Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander being aces. And if you get those two guys pitching at ace level, Maybe you have a chance. And again, it's a slim one. So if I'm paying these guys $43 million, I'm going to them as much as I can. If you have an opportunity to flip them with the day off to get an extra Scherzer start before the break, they should do it. His last three times out, it was eight innings against the Astros, one run allowed, eight strikeouts. Six innings against the Phillies, two runs allowed, eight strikeouts. 
six innings against the Brewers, two earned runs allowed, nine strikeouts. This month of his starts, he has struck out eight or more, in, and that was in June, actually. Sorry, not this month. Now we're in July. But he struck out eight or more in five of his six starts. That's more than Max Scherzer that you know and love from last year. So I'm getting Scherzer in two of these games about the Mets. Have him pitch on Tuesday and Sunday. Sang on Wednesday. Thursday, maybe it's Quintana. I don't know if he'll be ready by then. Maybe it's, uh, well, I guess maybe that'd be Carrasco's turn. I'm trying to think. I guess that would probably be Carrasco's turn. So maybe you get a Quintana start over the weekend. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I would go. Uh, it would be trying to get more out of Scherzer. And that's what you need. You need Scherzer and Verlander to be awesome. You need the best version of Kodai Sang. And I will say Carlos Carrasco does seem to be coming around a little bit. Um, and who knows? Maybe Quintana is that guy. You know, last year he pitched to a sub-3 ERA. Maybe he does that again. I would be a little bit cautious on that one, considering how Carlos Carrasco pitched after missing the first half of the season um, in 2021. It's not easy to do, but you never know. So that that's where the Mets are. And really, if they're going to go on a streak, it's going to come down on the offense. That's the biggest thing. And I think they might have found something with the line that they had on Sunday. Tommy Pham in the two-hole. He's been amazing. Get him more at-bats at this point. Why not? He has earned every bit of everyday playing time. Nimmo, Pham, Lindor, Alonzo. That's a good four. If Jeff McNeil can hit out of that five-hole and give you some insurance behind Pete. And that's the big thing. Look, Tommy Pham... You know, as the insurance behind Pete is great. I'd rather him bat in second as your best hitter right now, getting more at-bats. If Jeff McNeil can come through where, hey, they got first base open, second and third, and they walk Pete. Jeff McNeil's been a high on-base percentage guy his entire career, and he's been, of course, the high batting average guy. The bases are loaded, like they were for him in this game, and he gets a single, that's going to play too. So I like that one through five. I actually like having Beatty and Alvarez hit at the bottom of the lineup to take the pressure off them a little bit. Um, and, and yeah, you know, if if you get to a point where you have five guys that are awesome at the top of your lineup and you're getting a little more from the Marcanas of the world, from the Daniel Vogelbacks of the world, then that pressure on those two and Alvarez and Beatty subsides to the point that maybe you get even the, the best out of them. But it's going to come down to the lineup and the starting pitching. Being able to mitigate this bullpen as much as possible because until the Mets can add some arms at the deadline, if they choose to add, or they get Edwin Diaz back by miracle, he is throwing. I have no idea what the timetable on him is because originally it was you know, best case scenario late September. So who knows? But... It's going to come down to this lineup and the starting pitching to mitigate that bullpen as much as possible. And as much as I say, hey, win eight in a row to close out this break and close close the gap in the wild card, really it's just win series. You win every single series in July compared to losing every single series in June. And by the trade deadline, you're going to be in position to be in the mix. So we'll see how the Mets can kind of go from here. But final segment, I want to talk all-star. Who made it for the Mets um, and who didn't make it, really? So we're going to get to that first. Another word from our sponsors.
York Mets play the Arizona Diamondbacks at 4:10 Eastern Time on Tuesday. Catch every pitch in that's hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Now, looking the All-Star roster starting lineup for the National League. You have Sean Murphy at catcher. You have Freddie Freeman at first, Luis Arias at second, Nolan Arenado at third, Orlando Arcia at short, Ronald Cunha Jr. in the outfield with Mookie Betts and Corbin Carroll, and J.D. Martinez at DH. Obviously, no Mets there. Pitchers, no Mets. You got Alexis Diaz, Camilo Duvall, Bryce Elder, Zach Gallen, Josiah Gray, Josh Hader, Mitch Keller, Clayton Kershaw, Justin Steele, Spencer Strider, and Marcus Stroman with Devin Williams as well. You could say David Robertson was snubbed if you want to, but look, Devin Williams as a closer on a better team with the Brewers. Camilo Duvall, better numbers probably too uh, with the Giants, better team. Alexis Diaz, better team, uh, maybe better numbers too. The strikeouts have been really good for Edwin's brother. Uh, and then Josh Hader, probably better numbers. Um, yeah, better numbers. And you can't call that one a better team, but better numbers, more notable reliever, his fifth all-star appearance. So, yes, if you want to complain, you can, but you can't because the Mets don't deserve more than one All-Star. Uh, you go to catchers, uh, Elias Diaz, Will Smith backing up, Sean Murphy. You get to the infielders. This is where you get your All-Star for the Mets, and it's Pete Alonso. 25 home runs, certainly deserving. Uh, it's Ozzy Albies, Matt Olson, Austin Riley with them, three Braves, and Dansby Swanson, a former Brave, who's playing for the Cubs. If you want to make an argument, that Francisco Lindor should be on the All-Star team over Dansby Swanson. There's a fair one. For one, Cubs already have two All-Stars from their pitchers. Cubs and the Mets aren't really any difference in the standings. You have Lindor with eight more home runs. He has 17 compared to Swanson's nine. He has 20 additional RBIs, 55 compared to 35. He scored 11 more runs, 49 compared to 38. Stolen five more bases, so all the counting stats are better the hitting stats, a weight runs created a plus of 109, which is measuring hitters based on a league average of 100. It's identical for those two players. Uh, yes, Swanson is a better average, better on base percentage, but way worse slug. OPS is right in line with the. I think it was identical going into play today, 755 for each of them. The defense has been a little better for Swanson. He has been more valuable when it comes to wins above replacement, but when the home runs are that drastic, the RBIs are that drastic. I think Lindor should have been on the team over Swanson. I also don't think it matters enough that you can get too upset about it. <laughs> because, again, you just don't deserve all-stars. Now, you go to the outfielders. Um, it's Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Nick Castellanos, Juan Soto. Gurriel has had a great season. He's on the better team because you know, the Giantbacks have been unbelievable. So in that respect, I get it. I can also look at National League outfielders and say Brandon Nemo is the second best winner runs created plus at 135, only behind Corbin Carroll. Um, he's been the second most valuable when it comes to wins above replacement. This is among qualified. I wonder where Mookie Betts is if we actually change the settings on that. Uh, okay, so if you expand it, yeah, it's still... I mean, he got voted in, but regardless... Nimmo's having a good season. If I had to pick an all-star for the Mets, I'd probably pick Brandon Nimmo. Uh, because, look, Pete Alonso, greatest he's been this year. 
He's sitting 221 with a 316 on base that is way below his standards, right? Um, it's still been a good season for Pete, but he has performed better. Lindor has been good as well, uh, but he's been better. Nimmo is in the midst of you know, pretty much a career year. He's, he's replicating his career year last year on a brand new contract. Honestly, I'm looking at it now. It's it's very close. You know, his average up a little bit, his on base up a little bit, his slug is up. Um, you know, the defense compared to last year, whatever it's worth, the defensive metrics are a little bit down, which is impacting his WAR. But the eye test doesn't show us that. And the guy's got 12 home runs this year. His career high is 17 in 2018. He had 16 last year. He's going to smash that. He's probably, you know, going to have his first 20 home run season of his career. And the way he's hitting home runs lately, he might have his first 25 home run season of his career. I feel like he's been the most impactful Met day in, day out, and deserves that all-star recognition um, that he's never had, right? I, I Unless it was in 2018, and I don't believe he was the Mets all-star that year. Let me check to confirm I'm right on this. Yeah, no all-stars ever for Brandon Nemo. You know, I would have liked to see him get his first nod this year. Um, I really would have. But, again, you look at how they tried to, to break it down. Castellanos had to represent the Phillies. Gurriel's on the best team. And Juan Soto is the bigger name player who's having a good season. Honestly, you could also look at Fernando Tatis Jr. and say that's a massive snub. Um, he's been, like, arguably the best outfielder defensively. And he's learning the position this year. Um, his offensive numbers pretty much mirror what you've gotten from Juan Soto. Like, it's it's actually pretty remarkable because he's missed 20 games, but he has the same amount of home runs as Juan Soto. He's driven in, was it, one less run. He's scored six less runs. And he has eight more stolen bases and, you know, 70 less plate appearances. Soto's got him an on-base percentage. Tatis... Has him by a slight edge on average, but has him in slug. I get it. I get it. Um, but it's more that they would rather have Juan Soto representing the league in the All-Star game than a guy coming off a suspension. But it is what it is, man. Those are the All-Star teams um, or the All-Star roster in the National League. Uh, Pete Alonso represented the Mets, as he should based on his stature in the league, of course, and the fact that you get him out there for the Derby. So that'll be fun. Uh, but... It is worth noting that if we're really going to be looking at the stats and who deserves it, I do believe that Nimmo probably deserves it over Gurriel. I think that Lindor deserves it over Swanson. And I also think the Mets only deserve one All-Star. So that's where I'm at with the All-Star discussion. That's going to be all for today's show. On tomorrow's show for all you everydayers, we're going to look at the deadline. And what I want to do is discuss at this point in time what is the best thing that you can hope for for this franchise at the deadline. Is it that they are able to buy? Is it that they stand pat? Or is it that they sell? So we're going to go through that. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Ficklestein Ryan. Follow the show, Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. If you want to catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast, you can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.